Good morning. I hope you're having a great day wherever you are today. We're having a great day here in the state of Tennessee. It's a beautiful day. I'd like to invite you, Wood, to join me in John, the book of John, chapter 13, reading a story I know you're familiar with. But John, chapter 13, uh, beginning with verse 1. Now, I want to talk this morning about how to serve like Jesus. How to serve like Jesus. So, uh, chapter 13 of John, verse 1 says, It was just before Passover feast, and Jesus knew that his time had come for him to leave this world and to go back to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he now showed them the full extent of his love. That's a beautiful passage. When anybody shows you the full extent of their love, that's just a beautiful thing. And here Jesus is showing the full extent of his love. Uh, we think it was on the cross, perhaps, when he showed the full extent of his love, and it was. Uh, perhaps all the healings he did and the miracles. But here the scripture says he showed them the full extent of his love for them. Uh, the evening meal was being served. And the devil had already prompted Judas Iscariot, son of Simon, to betray Jesus. And Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power. And he had come from God and was returning to God. So Jesus got up from the meal. He took off his outer clothing, wrapped a towel around his waist. And after that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? And Jesus replied, You do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. And Jesus said, Unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then, Lord, Simon Peter replied, Not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. You see, the foot washing thing was an important deal back in the day because when they sat at a table to eat, they didn't sit in chairs like we sit in chairs like the one I'm sitting in. They reclined, and so your feet were at the head of somebody else's reclining position, so your feet were right where somebody's head was, and they were trying to eat with your stinking feet in their face. And they walked a lot of times barefooted or with sandals. So there was no sanitation. So everything was on the ground, and everything wound up on somebody's feet. And when you ate a meal, you certainly didn't want to smell someone's stinking feet at your face while you were trying to eat. So the custom was for somebody to be at the door and to wash your feet when you came in so that everybody could enjoy the meal. And on this particular occasion, nobody had chosen to serve one another by washing their feet. Everybody had chosen to get their place at the table, perhaps close to Jesus as they could, and uh, neglect this part of taking care of someone's nasty feet when they came in. And so Jesus sitting at the table, he was demonstrating something, but he's probably, he's probably tired of somebody's stinking feet in his head. I don't know who it was, but... You can just imagine he's sitting there trying to eat a meal and somebody's stinking feet in front of him. He's like, I gotta do something about this. And that's what it means to serve. It means for all of us to take our position and say, somebody's gotta do something about this. I'm gonna do something about this. And Jesus is setting us an example of doing that. He's saying, man, somebody needs to wash some feet around here. So he takes on the responsibility and he gets to Peter and Peter's saying, oh, you shouldn't be doing that. That's a servant's role. Somebody else should be washing feet. I'm not gonna let you wash my feet. Peter was always putting both feet in his mouth, and I guess these were dirty feet at the time, but he was, nonetheless, he put both feet in his mouth. <clears throat> but Peter was also very smart. He was a fast learner. 
<clears throat> and when Jesus said, if I don't wash your feet, you don't have any part with me. Peter said, man, wash everything. Because I want to be a part of who you are in Jesus. I want to be a part of what you're doing. So, so pick me, choose me. And Jesus answered, a person who has had a bath needs only to wash his feet. His whole body is clean. And you're clean, though not every one of you. And Jesus is changing the conversation. He's talking with a metaphor now. But <clears throat> For he knew he was going to betray him. <clears throat> and that was why he said not everyone is clean. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is who I am. And now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, <clears throat> you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. I tell you the truth, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. And now that you know these things, you'll be blessed if you do them. So I want to talk about this idea of, of serving like Jesus. And of course, I've got five points for you. And they're spelled S-E-R-V-E, -E, right? So the first one is to see people with the eyes of Jesus. To see people with the eyes of Jesus. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 16, Paul says, I no longer look at people the way I used to look at them. I don't look at them the way the world looks at them. Instead, I try to look at them the way Jesus looks at them. I want to see people the way Jesus sees people. So the beginning of service, of serving anybody, is to see people the way Jesus sees them. Now, there's two things about people. There's what's true about people, and there's what's the truth about people. It's what's true about people, and what's the truth about people. You know, what is true about me is, you know, I'm six foot four, right? And that's true about me. What is the truth about me is getting to know me personally and what I'm about. And, you know, I love my wife and my kids and my family and my extended family. I love my church family. Those are things that are truth about me. But oftentimes we only stop at what's true about someone. I, I can see them, they're this tall or this short. They're, they're, they're acting this way. They're not acting that way. Jesus calls us Yes, to be discerning to see what's true about people. But he calls us to look deeper to see what, what is the truth about people. What's really going on in their lives and to minister to them. So what's true about people, we may see someone that's broken, bruised, beaten, bereaved, betrayed, bitter, or in bondage. And we can say, oh, I can see that in that person. And that's discernment. And it's good to have discernment. We all need discernment. We all need to ask the Holy Spirit to give us discernment about what's going on in people's lives like that. But what is true about people is that even though someone's broken, they can be beautiful. Even though someone is bruised, they may be bright. Even though someone is beaten, they may be bold inside. Even though someone is bereaved or betrayed or bitter, they may still be becoming more of who Christ wants them to be, even in the midst of those setbacks in their life. So let's discover through the Holy Spirit what is true, but also what is truth about people. And let's see people the way Jesus sees them. I've got a few more stories about the way Jesus saw people. We'll get to that in just a minute. The second thing is, after you see people through the eyes of Jesus, engage people in conversation. Simply engage people in conversation. If you want to serve like Jesus, invite people to share 
their story with you. Uh, I was at a big box store that sells fishing and hunting equipment several months ago and I was looking in a particular aisle at something and this woman came around the corner and she said, Sir, can I ask you a question? And I knew immediately in my spirit because the Holy Spirit told me she's going to ask you for money. I said, Sure, you can ask me a question. And she said, Well, uh, I'm living in a hotel room with my three kids and I can show you a picture of my three kids. And so she takes her phone out and shows me the picture of her three kids and she's living in a hotel room. I said, is that right? I'm sorry to hear that. And I looked at her and I said, I want you to tell me your story. And the Holy Spirit had already told me what I was going to do financially for her. He revealed that to me. But he said, I want you to start asking her a series of questions. And so I began getting these questions from him and I just began asking her. And the more I asked her, the more she took her facade away, her, her begging away, begging for money, and began to reveal her her true heart, what was going on in her life, allowed me to share Jesus with her and allowed me to pray with her in the name of Jesus. We stood there 30 minutes talking and then I blessed her financially and, and uh, she went on her way. You know, people want to tell their stories. They want to tell their stories. Uh, in our town, I don't know about your town, but in our town people stand on the corner and they sell these newspapers. That's how they earn a living. And if they sell so many during the week, that allows them privileges of where they live to have food and shelter and so forth. And for many of them, it's a transition between one job and another, between being really downtrodden and maybe getting a job eventually. And there was this one gentleman named Greg, and he's still in the corner uh, in front of a bank uh, near the grocery store that I visited. And every week when I would go to the store, he would be out there. Instead of just driving up and handing a dollar out the window, I would park in the parking lot of the bank and I would walk over and talk to him on first name basis. And I eventually got him to tell me his story. Uh, he had, the house he was in had, uh, had problems with it. It was a rental house and they weren't going to renew the rental, rental agreement and they tore the house down so forth and so on. And anyway, over the course of months, I would go by and talk to Greg every week. How's it going? And eventually he wound up getting a job. Uh, that he had been trying to get for quite some time and, and was going to be leaving his post selling papers to land this job. You know, he really wanted to tell me his story and he really wanted somebody to stop by and see him for a real person, not just a dollar out the window and get a newspaper that you would never read. So, the second thing is let's engage people in conversations. If we're going to serve people, we've got to engage them. Find out what their name is and use their name when you go back to see them again. Ask them their first name and use it over and over and over again. Third thing is, redeem what you can. Redeem what you can. Buy back what you're able to buy back. Replace, refurnish what you're able to do. I've seen this so many times in church ministry over the years. Someone in the church will find a need out in the community and the first thing they do is come back and share it with the benevolence committee or some committee in the church. And then the committee forms another committee, which forms another committee, which forms another committee. And eventually, you know, six weeks later or six months later, somebody decides, hey, did we ever help that family? Did we ever help that person? And here's what I'm telling you as individual Christians. If God puts someone in your path and you discover a need they have, it's your job to try to meet that need if you can. Don't, don't run back to the church immediately and say, oh, I found a need. 
pray about it. Say, God, how can I meet this person's need? What, what can I do with my resources that I have to redeem this situation for this person? What's within my power to redeem? You see, I didn't go to my church about Greg standing on the corner selling newspapers saying, I think we need to take up a love offer for Greg. I went back and personally engaged and personally gave him money every time I saw him to help him get back on his feet and help him find a job and encourage him in doing so. We are personally responsible as Christians and as Christian families in particular to meet the needs of our neighbor. And so this is one thing Jesus is teaching in this passage is if you see a need, then meet it. If the people's feet stink, wash them. It's your responsibility. Pick up a bowl, put some water in it, put a towel, and, and go take care of that need. So redeem what you can. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons, Jesus said. Don't be afraid. Instead, be a listening, a listening ear. Be a father, be a mother, be a teacher, be a prophet, be a priest, be a apostle, be a pastor, be a coach. Whatever phrase or title you want to use, whatever the Holy Spirit's moving you to use in your lives, do that. Redeem it. Don't sit around and wait on it. Years and years ago, I, I spent some time in a meeting in, uh, in another state. And the topic was, how do we plant churches using college students? And at the time, I had developed a, uh, a program that college students could use to launch a church. This was back in 1998-99. And so we went to this meeting and two pastors were there from two separate churches and they were asking this group of leaders, how do we plant a church using college students? And they invited me because I was supposedly the expert. And so we sat in the meeting and we talked for two or three hours. I sat quiet. And they debated, what does the church look like? Well, do you have to have communion or do you have to have baptism? Do you have to use the Bible? You know, certain portions of the Bible every time, so many verses. It just went on and on and on. And finally they looked at him and said, you've been awfully quiet. Why are you quiet? And uh, what do you have to say about all this? I said, well, I said, we've sat here for two hours, two and a half hours. These two gentlemen have asked me how to start a collegiate church using college students. And, uh, and if you give me 20 minutes with them, I will help them start a church instead of spending two and a half hours debating what a church looks like. If you just give me 20 minutes with them, I'll, I'll get them fixed up. Um, you know, we spend an awful lot of time trying to figure out, right, what to do when we already know what to do. And so if you already know what to do to help your neighbor, just do it. Just do it. That's what Jesus did. The fourth thing is validate who they really are. Now this is getting back to point number one, but it's to validate who they really are. Validate their truest identity. Uh, this woman came to Jesus. She snuck up to Jesus. She's the woman that had the issue of blood for 12 years. And she'd been to all kind of doctors, the Bible says. She'd suffered. The Bible says she suffered at the hands of all the things they did to her. She'd spent everything she had. And she crawled on her hands and knees thinking, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, I'll be healed. And she was. Her faith in, in that process brought healing to her. But Jesus turned and looked at her and he used this beautiful phrase. He said, daughter. He called her daughter. Now, if you look in the book of John, if you study it in great depth, you'll see that over a dozen times Jesus says, I only do what the Father tells me to do and I only say what the Father tells me to say and even one verse says, and I say it the way the Father tells me to say it. That's really specific. 
So if you look at this story that I just mentioned about the woman with the issue of blood, it's not Jesus actually talking to the woman. Jesus is a mouthpiece for God to the woman. So this is God the Father looking at His daughter, sons and daughters of God. He's looking at His daughter saying, Daughter, I love you. Daughter, I care for you. Daughter, you're going to be healed. Isn't that beautiful? This is the Father in Heaven speaking through Jesus to His daughter. You know, the Father in Heaven speaks through us the same way today as He spoke through Jesus because we have the Holy Spirit in us speaking to us and through us. I think about John chapter 8 with the woman who was caught in adultery. And you know, the, they, the townspeople brought her out there. They wanted to stone her and everything. And you know the story. Jesus said, well, whoever's has never seen you get to cast the first stone. They all walked away and, and left him. And he looked at him and he said, where are those who condemn you? Uh, I'm not condemning you. Nobody else will condemn you. And he said, leave your life of sin. Right? He spoke to her. He spoke to her heart. He said, leave your life of sin. But I want you to know I'm not condemning you. This is not who you are. He spoke to her truest identity. This is not who you are. How tender. That's the Father in Heaven speaking through Jesus to this woman. And then the woman at the well. Uh, you know, Jesus was tired. He was thirsty. And he was a Jewish man. She was Samaritan. They didn't have conversations. They didn't talk to each other. It was just a bad thing. And, but he spoke to her. And she said, Why are you a rabbi and a Jewish man talking to me? I'll never do that. And that's as Jesus saying, because I love you. Because you're a human being and I'm going to talk to you. He validated who she really was. And in turn, she invited Jesus to be her Lord and Savior and told the whole town, the first evangelist, right? Told the whole town, the first evangelist to that city about Jesus. Let's validate who people really are. And that comes from discernment. What is true about them? What is truth about them? That comes from the Holy Spirit teaching us that. And the fourth way about learning to serve is to equip them to serve like Jesus as well. We haven't finished our task by serving people if we don't equip them to serve as well. We've left the process short, right? You've put three wheels on the car and not the fourth one, right? And the car's not going to run very well with that. We need to equip other people to serve Jesus. How do we do that? Show and tell. Show and tell. We show them how to serve people, and we tell them how to serve people. It's really more show than tell. We're really to demonstrate our love for other people, demonstrate our love for Christ, demonstrate how we serve people more than telling people, but it's show and tell. That's how we equip others. We should be equipping our children. If you've got a 13-year-old at the house, right, you need to teach them how to serve. You need to teach them how to serve their parents and their grandparents if the grandparents are staying with them. You need to teach them how to serve the people in their community. You know, I, I know a, a house church that meets and they serve the people in their cul-de-sac. It's beautiful. and they, they make them cookies and they go check on them from time to time. If they don't see them for a day, they go over and knock on the door and see how they're doing. It's, it's a beautiful thing, right? We can teach and they're, they're teaching the kids to do this. We need to be in the process of equipping others to serve because there's never enough servants. You know, for the past 20 years or so, maybe 25 years now, there's been this huge, huge push to train leaders. There's leadership conferences uh, anywhere in the world. 
at any given time. His leadership conferences online. Maybe you've attended some of his leadership books by the thousands you can read. You won't find many servanthood training books. Oh, there's some out there, but you, you won't find many. Do a search on how to be a servant and see how many books pop up. We've done a great job of teaching people how to be leaders, and we've done a poor job of teaching people how to be servants. We're all servants, no matter what your title is or how many degrees you have. We're all to be servants. That's what Jesus is saying here. He said, I've set you an example to serve. Remember what we started with? Jesus showed them the full extent of his love. The way we show the full extent of our love is by serving. It's not by leading. It's not by having all these degrees and being in roles and in positions of authority and responsibility. No. It's serving. It begins with serving and it ends with serving. And there's serving in the middle. So, my encouragement to you today is serve like Jesus. Read this scripture over and over again. Ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you and say, Holy Spirit, I want to serve better. Who needs serving? Who in my circle of influence do I need to serve? Who in my cul-de-sac do I need to serve? And let the Holy Spirit speak to you and tell you exactly what you need to do. So, let's all make a commitment today to serve like Jesus and change the world into a better place. Hey, thanks for watching and I hope you have a blessed day.